Well, we are in uh, our fifth and final week of a series that we've been calling The Story That Shapes Us or The Stories That Shape Us. And we've been talking about the power of story, specifically the stories um, that Jesus told. Jesus told these stories called parables. And so we've been going through them over the last several weeks. And today will be the last day. And we've just been asking the question, what does this story, what do these stories tell me about God? And what does it tell me about myself? And so if you've got a Bible, you can turn with me to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 13. We're going to start reading in verse 1 today. Let's look at it together. It says this, That same day Jesus went out of the house and he sat beside the sea. And great crowds gathered around him, so that he got into a boat and he sat down. And the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Verse 5, Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Verse 7, other, other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. And other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixtyfold, and some thirtyfold. And then Jesus finishes this time of teaching by saying, he who has ears, let him hear. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for this word. Thank you so much for this story. As we open it and we read it and we think about it, we meditate on it, Father, I pray that, that it would speak to us, that it would challenge us, that it would change us, that it would convict us, that it would do a work in us uh, in a way that leaves us forever changed. We ask these things in your name, Jesus Christ, the strong son of God. Amen. You know, I've been, I'm Andy, by the way, if we've not met, I'm the executive pastor here, and uh, I've lived in Oregon for just under three years now. And one of the things that I really appreciate about Oregon is that there are so many options to buy things local, specifically food. I'm a little bit of a foodie, and I love that, like, here, we, we do go to the grocery store, don't get me wrong, but we have, like, a meat guy and a watermelon lady and an egg person. I absolutely love that. Like, that's just such a fun thing for me. We didn't necessarily grow up with that culture uh, where I grew up. I'm from the South. I'm from Alabama originally. Uh, but we did, we did appreciate, even though there wasn't quite that culture of buying locally, we did appreciate uh, what we would call homegrown things. And so my dad growing up uh, had a garden on a regular basis. Actually, his dad before him always had a garden as well. And my dad had a, not like a huge garden, but he had like a, uh, like a 20 foot by six foot planter that he would plant traditional Southern fruit, like, or not fruit, uh, traditional Southern things like okra and tomatoes and peppers. And I just, I always really enjoyed that process of going out with my dad and getting uh, to, to water the plants. And, and honestly, my dad was pretty good at it. I felt like we consistently got a lot of different vegetables from that. So probably about five or six years ago, before I moved here, we, uh, my wife Jessica and I, uh, were, we had just bought a house and it was right before the summer. And I said, you know what? I want to try my hand at growing things. I want to give this thing a shot. And so I don't, 
I don't know if you've ever tried to grow something, but I was pretty pumped about it. Like there's something that you're just like, I'm going to, I'm going to grow a vegetable. You know, like you just, you get super psyched about it. There's only one problem. I didn't live in Alabama at the time. I lived in Florida. If you've never been to Florida, maybe you don't know, but we don't have soil in Florida. We have sand and like right under all of our grass is like layers and layers and layers of sand. It's hard to grow stuff in Florida. So I did what any red-blooded American would do. I drove to Lowe's and I went and I found the oldest person I could that looked like they had planted there before. And so I said, ma'am, because that's what we say where we're from. And I said, ma'am, can, can you help me? I've never planted before uh, here in Florida. I've grown some tomatoes and stuff as a kid, but I, I want to do it here. And by the way, Life lesson for all of you. Never go to Lowe's and tell them you've never done something before because they will sell you a lot of stuff you don't need. And so I remember going to Lowe's and walking and this little old lady was helping me and she said, now look, uh, if you want to grow something here, uh, you, you got to pay attention to a lot of different things. You got to pay attention to where you put uh, your, your planter box because you do above ground soil there. You have to pay attention to where you put it because it can't hit the heat of the day like the sun can't directly hit your plants or it'll kill them in Florida. Okay, okay, I got that. And then she starts talking about a couple of different things. And then she says something that stuck with me. She said, but the biggest thing is the soil. Like the biggest issue that you're going to have is the soil. You have to have the right soil. And she said, let me show you. Let me show you exactly what soil you need. And I said, okay. And she took me over to all of the soil. Like, y'all know how it is at Lowe's if you've ever been. There's just like piles of bags everywhere. And she took me to this one very particular giant bag, and it was beautiful. I remember it was like, it was bright yellow. It had a picture of things growing on it, right? Like it, it was, they were making sure they did their due diligence. They were letting you know, if you use this, you're gonna grow something. And I said, okay, that, that's it. But then I realized that bag that had the pretty picture on it, was about four times the amount of the bags with no pictures on them. And I began to wonder, am I paying for a picture or am I paying for better soil? And so I, I, I literally had that thought. But she said, look, if you take this soil, you'll be good. I said, okay. So I got everything on my cart and I took it home. Uh, it was a $250 Lowe's run. I was not expecting it to be $250. It was an expensive Lowe's run. But I thought, hey, if I don't buy vegetables for the summer, I'll have eaten half of that. And so I thought this will be good. And so I took all of it home. I set up my planter box. I poured the soil, put my tomato plants in the box, got it, got it ready to go. And for several weeks, it looked like it was actually doing a pretty good job until summer came, until summer came and it got blazing hot. I mean, I mean, like you guys were complaining about 114 degree dry heat around here this summer. Y'all don't know heat. Like, like it was hot in Florida that summer. And I thought all my plants are going, they're going to die. They're going to die. And they did. <laughs> they did. I, I remember walking out and what, what plants had not died? Uh, the birds ate them. One more. I walked out. Why are there holes in my tomatoes? You know, I was so mad. I got one tomato. <laughs> one. I had a $250 Tomato, and you know what? They taste a lot like tomatoes that are worth about a quarter. There's not a whole lot of difference. They say that when you grow something yourself that it tastes better. That's a lie. That's not true. 
It tastes the exact same. I just remember walking away from that going, this was a terrible experience. This was an absolutely terrible experience. But I'll never forget what that little old lady in Lowe's told me. It's all about the soil. It is all about the soil. Now, there's nothing you can really do about the sun. Had it not been that hot, I probably would have had a good crop that year. But I remember hearing that lady over and over and over in my mind tell me, it's just, it's all about the soil. The soil has to be right. And that is very much the same point that Jesus is trying to make in this story. That, that it is all about the soil. There's three components in this story that we read today. One of them is the sower. We would probably refer to them as a farmer, but this particular person was called a sower, and his job was to scatter seed in the story. And we know that this, this person is representative inside of the story of God, that God d- deeply desires to place things in our life. He desires to place dreams in our life. He desires to place hope in our life. He desires to to place change and even sometimes challenges and sometimes correction in our life because he wants to place those things in our life so that they will develop and produce fruit in us. That God is the sower in this story. And sometimes what he places in us is awesome. Sometimes it is painful. But what we can be sure of is that God is always scattering seed in our life. He is always attempting to put something in our life that catches and develops. The second component that we have in this story is the seed. The seed is um, what, what the scripture tells us a little bit later in chapter 13 is that the seed is the word of God. Jesus actually does something he doesn't do after every parable, but in this particular parable, he explains the parable later, and we'll look at that off and on throughout our time together. But he says that the seed is the word of God. Now, when we talk about the word of God, it's important that we understand that it is talking about the Bible, but it's also talking about the imparted words of God into our life. And sometimes that impartation comes through the scripture that we read. Sometimes it comes through prayer. Sometimes it comes through spiritual conversations by, uh, by uh, other people who are also following Jesus. Can I tell you that some of the greatest seed placed in my soul uh, was, was around coffee tables in, in different places, a lot like chapters here in town, where people who loved and cared for me just shared Jesus with me and shared their journey with me. And a allowed that seed that they placed in me, it grew in my soul. That there was something that happened in that, in that moment. And that is very much seed, just like the scripture is. But there are many different ways that we find seed that God's scattering in our life. And then there's this third component to the story. We have the sower, we have the seed, and then we have the soil. And the soil is our soul. The soil is our soul. We get a very clear understanding. We got to remember that Jesus is talking to people who are probably very familiar with agriculture at this time and what it means to grow something. And he's being very clear that, that God is trying to get something in us and get something to develop within us that will, that will eventually become fruitful in our life. That he is trying to help us understand that, that in all of us, regardless of who you are, regardless of where you've been, God is trying to get your attention and place something in you that will ultimately change your life, that will help you better know Jesus, that will help you better realize the gift and the grace that Jesus has, gotten, uh, has, has given you. And this, this truth, this truth that we are the soil in this story is so important for us to understand. Now, What's interesting when we, when we think about ourselves as the soil, when we think about our soul as the soil, is that there's a lot of different types of soil in this story. 
There's a lot of different types of soil in this story. There's a good soil. In the very end of the story, it says that there's good soil that's there, that it's, it's not reluctant to the seed, that it is receptive of what God is trying to place within it. It's not only, it's not only willing to take the seed, but it's, a, it's willing to allow that seed to go deep so that it can develop deep roots and eventually come up out of the ground with something that matters. But then there are these other types of soil. There are these soils that are reluctant, that there are these types of soils that are maybe defensive against a new seed in their life, that they struggle with it. And, And what the scripture is really calling us to do is take a look at all of these different types of soil in our life and ask the question, which one am I? When we read these stories, there's always a different type of question that comes with it. But in this, in this specific parable, Jesus is calling us to be people that live in a season of self-reflection upon reading it. That we sit and we ask the question, what type of soul do I have? What type of soul really have I cultivated in my own life? Am I a person that is willing to listen to what God has to say? Or am I the person that when I feel something pressing against what is normal and natural for me, and it's, and it's giving me a little bit of pressure against that, am I somebody who pushes away and says, you know what, that's not for me? It's calling us to self-reflection. Now, self-reflection is interesting because it is kind of a two-edged sword. On the one hand, self-reflection is very good for us. Those of you who are going to Fox, I know you're going to hear a lot about this process of self-reflection. It's it's a good thing. The more we reflect on our own lives, the more aware we are in our own lives. The more that we're willing to actually understand in reality who we are, what our brokenness dynamics are like, what what is wrong with us, what is right with us, and work on those things that are broken. Self-reflection is a good thing. On the other hand, it can be miserable because it is hard work. Nobody wakes up in the morning and goes, you know what? I think I want to figure out what's wrong with me, right? Like nobody does that. Nobody does that. You might, you might like think, I should, I should figure out how to better myself. But nobody goes, I wonder what I'm going to figure out is wrong with me today. Like nobody does that because it's difficult work. I go see... Um, a person called a spiritual director on a, on a pretty regular basis. If you're not familiar with that term, uh, we, have, we actually have a few people on staff that go see them. And basically, it is a newer word for what most of us would call pastoral counseling. It's just a space where you talk about the work that God's doing in your life. That's all it is. And I go see somebody in different seasons uh, on a pretty regular basis. And I was talking to my spiritual director, and she told me one time, she said, um, I'm glad that you're doing the hard work. And I said, what do you mean the hard work? And she said, this is hard work. Taking the time to sit down and process and ask the question, what is God trying to do in you? And what does God, uh, what is God leading you or inviting you to change? It's more difficult than sometimes we give it credit for. But if we want to follow Jesus, if we want to have a relationship with Jesus that goes deep, It requires self-reflection. It requires us to be willing to push past the uncomfortable nature of of that that part of us that says, I don't really know if I want to think about that. I don't really want to know if I want to open up that, that box of issues and push past that and allow Jesus to do a work in us. 
You see, it's when we do that, that we, that we cultivate soil in our own life that allows God to plant exactly what he wants to in the right season. So the question this morning is, how do we have the right soil in our life? How do we have good soil in our life? And I want to give you three thoughts this morning about the, the right soil in your life. The first one is, the first thought is this, check your surroundings. Check your surroundings. Inside of this scripture, when you skip down uh, to about verse 18, Jesus begins to talk through uh, exactly what he means by the story. And I want to look at one um, real quick. It says this, that, let's see. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke out the word, and it proves unfruitful. It proves unfruitful. What is around you matters. What is around you matters. What influences you matters. What you choose to let influence you matters. That we could talk about a lot of different things, but it, when we talk about what influences us, but I want to say this, that specifically people matter. The people that are in your life, the people that you allow to speak into your life, uh, those people are important. And those, those people shouldn't be let into those roles lightly in our lives. It matters who speaks into you. It matters who you listen to, to give you advice, or even to just listen to their philosophy, or their, even their own theology, what they think about God. It, it's important that you pay attention to that. Because who you surround yourself with will either help you produce fruit in your life, or they will be the thorns that this scripture talks about. They will either be people who build you up or they will be people that when you begin to see fruit in your life will choke it out of you. And it matters. It matters. I used to have a youth pastor. I had two youth pastors when I was in uh, middle school and high school. And the first one used to say this thing. It drove me crazy. He'd say it all the time. He'd say it from the pulpit. He'd say it when we were hanging out. He'd say, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. And you know, you know what's irritating about that? Is it was Right. It was right. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Who you hang out with matters. You could talk about this spiritually. You could talk about this in the form of your career. There's a ton of research uh, now. There's actually a guy who has an entire career built on this phrase, the proximity principle. And it's this entire idea that who you hang out with will, will determine whether you're successful or not. Like, it's, it's a spiritual truth that, that Scripture warns us about, but it's something that we can see even in just the regular day-to-day uh, -day reality of our lives. This, this statement, show you my friends, show, you, show me your friends and I'll show you your future, is very, very true. Who you place around you to influence you matters. It deeply matters. I grew up in uh, Birmingham, Alabama, and one of the things that we did on a regular basis in the South uh, are these things called controlled burns. Uh, they're the reason why the South isn't on fire like the West Coast. And so uh, I am appreciative of that. So no, no, in all seriousness, like what they would do uh, is they would go through these areas where trees were, were uh, dying and there, were just br there was brush everywhere, and they would literally just control burn it. They would burn it all up so that if it did get extremely dry, they wouldn't risk uh, large wildfires. And we, we grew up with this idea. And it would burn things. It was difficult because it would burn things that we liked. 
Like it would take all of our blackberry bushes away. And I love me some blackberries, right? Like I really enjoy just a, a bowl full of blackberries on some vanilla ice cream. Come on, somebody. That is, that is good stuff. And so I, like, I love that. But when you do these brush burns or you do these controlled burns, it temporarily removes all of that so that it can come back healthier. So that it can come back healthier. And I would just say to you, Maybe you need to check your surroundings and determine whether or not you need a controlled burn in your life. Do the people in your life do what the scripture says that when you begin to see fruit in your life, do they tear you down? Do they, do they uh, say, man, you're, you're, you're changing. You're not the person you were earlier. And they say it in a negative way and not a positive way. Or are they people who look at you and see Christ in you and go, you know what? Man, God's really doing something in your life. Check your surroundings. If you want good soil in your life, you need to check your surroundings. Number two is this, that you need to prepare your soil. You need to prepare your soil. Seed thrown on unprepared soil is a waste. We get this picture inside of the story that when the seed is scattered on soil that was just ground, what happened? The birds ate it. Every little thing around it just devoured it, is what the scripture tells us. We need to be people who prepare our soil. The problem with the concept of preparing our soil spiritually is that in every other aspect of our life, we live in a culture that's very consumeristic and says that it's not my job to prepare my soil. It's your job to to make me happy enough or, or engaged enough to want to change. We do this. We do this all the time. We do it in restaurants. If, if you know, the service isn't the way we want it, we leave less of a tip, right? Like, like it, is, it is how we are conditioned in, in every way of our life. If, how many of you have ever stopped in the middle of a book because you got to a slow chapter? Anybody? Anybody? I'm raising my hand too. We're okay. Like, like it's okay to admit things in church. Confession's good for the soul. Like, we all do this. Why? Because we are conditioned that if we don't like exactly what we experience, what we hear, what we see, we say, no, I don't think that that's for me. Yet in our spirituality, it's all put on you. In our spirituality, it's all put on ourselves to be people who are in the proper posture for the, the impartation, the word of God to make a difference in our life. One of the things that I said a few weeks ago that I think is important for us to understand about all parables in general is that you should look at what Jesus said, but you should also look for what Jesus does not say. And I think it's interesting that in this passage, Jesus never talks about the quality of the seed. Because the seed is always good. The seed is always good. If you believe that preaching is a gift from God and that when somebody preaches that the word of God, not just like what the person is saying is going forth, then we can all agree that whether or not the preacher is any good, that it's still seed from God. We can all agree with that, right? It takes a lot of pressure off me right? Like, like I appreciate that. And don't get me wrong. I love to preach and, and I do take preaching very seriously. But the truth is that regardless of the quality of the person that stands up here, the seed is always good. And whether or not it makes a difference in your life is in the preparation of your soul, not in the quality of the seed. It's the same thing, not just when we go to church, but when we open up the word of God in our homes, 
If I don't get something out of it, I should probably not be asking what's wrong with the scripture, but I should be asking what is wrong with, with the moment. What, why am I not receiving something in this moment? Well, it's because we're probably not preparing our soul to receive what God has for us. But when I prepare my soul, there's something that comes out of that time with God. When I prepare my soul, whether I'm in church or I'm, or I'm listening to worship music in my car or I'm, I'm reading the word of God, there's something that happens deep in my soul. So how do I prepare my soul? I'm going to give you a couple of sub-thoughts to this. The first is this, that I need to be aware of the seed. I need to be aware of the seed. God is always scattering seed in our life. He is always throwing out, hoping something will find a healthy spot to develop and grow. When I come into a moment where I open the, the scripture, I should be aware that God is trying to do something. That the Bible, the word of God is living and it is active in my life. And when I open it up, I should come with an expectation that God's going to do something. It's not different when we come to church. That one of the reasons, if you've, if you've been in a room with, with me, particularly in, inside of a gathering, you've probably heard me say things like, God, open our hearts, open our minds, open our ears when I pray in the beginning. It's because I deeply want to help set an expectation for God to do something. And we need to heighten our awareness that God is trying to do something. It's like the song that we sang uh, when I was a youth pastor. Let us become more aware of your presence. Let us be aware of the seed that you're trying to scatter in my life. Not only that, I need a desire to grow. I know that seems kind of simple, but do I actually have a desire to grow or am I just kind of doing the thing that I know I'm supposed to do? Do I want to grow? Do I want to be more like Jesus? Do I want to see change in my life? Do I have a desire to grow or do I just say that I have a desire to grow? And then the last thing is this, that I need deeply to commit to change. It's one thing to say that you want to grow. I can say all day I want to lose weight. But it's not until I commit to changing habits that I actually begin to see change in that waistline. Right? Like there's, there's some of y'all are like, are we allowed to laugh at that? Like I saw you. I saw you. I saw your faces all over there. You're like, I'm not sure. Anyway, so moving on. I, it's true. It's true. Are we committed to grow? Are we, are we going to walk in and say, you know what? I'm going to be changed by the presence of God today. Whether it's through the music or whether it's through the preaching or whether it's through connecting with somebody after church. You know what? I'm not going to leave the same. I'm committed to see God do something in my life. Am I committed to grow? So I want to be a person that checks my surroundings. I want to be a person that prepares the soil. And then lastly, I want to dig deep. I want to dig deep. Uh, for those of you guys who don't know, because we do have a lot of Fox students, uh, I'm not the lead pastor here. I'm the executive pastor. Our pastor will be back in the pulpit. He'll be back here next week, but he'll be back in the pulpit in two weeks. So you will only have to endure me one more week. Joy comes in the morning. You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel it. I, I understand. I get it. So y'all are wondering, how long do we have to deal with Andy Griffith? I get it. So Southern dude. Uh, so anyway, no, he'll be back here uh, in just a couple weeks. But he has this plant in his office. And it's a miniature tree. Um, and 
He's had this tree. I, I could be wrong. I, I think I remember this correctly. I think he's had this tree the entirety of uh, his ministry here. Somebody gave it to him um, and, and gave it to him when he came here. And it's in like this pot that's about this big. And it's, it's probably 24 inches tall. Like it's a small tree. It's, a, it's a, like a miniature office tree. And about two or three months uh, before Pastor Aaron left on sabbatical, the tree... It started to, um, it started to, like, some of the leaves were turning brown on it, and some of them started to, like, fall off. Well, he's had this thing for, like, the eight years he's been here. And we were like, well, that's not good. That's kind of sad. So we took it to uh, a plant store. I'm not really sure what you're actually supposed to call those people, but the plant people. And so we took it to the plant people. The, the, uh, yeah, and so we took it to the plant people, and they said, well, this is clear. Like, we know what the issue is. And we said, well, by all means, tell us what the problem is. And, and the lady at the plant store told one of our staff, she said, the problem is that it's been in the same pot with this same soil for the entirety that you've had the plant, right? And we said, yes. And she said, the, the problem is it's dying on the top because the roots have nowhere to go. It's dying on the top. It's not, it's not surviving because the, the literal, the, the thing that we've put it in is constricting the roots from growing. So if you want it to grow, you just need to get it a bigger pot with more soil and it'll be just fine. I remember um, our communications director, Kate, coming back and telling me that. And I thought, man, I, I, God's probably trying to tell us something through this stupid little tree. You know, like God's probably trying to tell us something in this moment. And the truth is for many of us, we've had, we've had things that we've heard from God and, and we felt like we caught the seed and we planted it and we, and we developed it a little bit, but we planted it shallowly in our life. And when Jesus comes back to explain this story, he, he says, it, it's, it's a lot like um, this this plant um, is trying to grow, but when the, the weight of its life comes, it, it blows it away. It, it just absolutely removes, it moves it out of its rooting because it's not deep enough. And for many of us, we've had seed in our life. We've had those, those things in us that we, we can remember the moment that God spoke to us, that God revealed to us, whatever nomenclature you like to use, a dream or a hope. And we, and we get to that spot where, where life gets tough. And because we never really allowed those things to dig deep in our life, it uproots and it falls over and it dies. But the scripture is calling us not to, not to just let that seed be sprinkled in our life and kind of find a, a decent spot to hide. It needs to be dropped deeply into our life. It needs to have this space to develop and expand because as it develops and expands internally, as it develops and it expands internally, something begins to be uh, growing externally. See, so many of us, we struggle with the idea we struggle with the idea of self-reflection because most of us would say that when we look around and we see issues in our life and we see dreams that have died and we see circumstances that we don't like, 
we look at it and we want to blame all of the things in our life that are external. Well, if I'd gotten that job, if I'd gotten that promotion that paid me more, I'd be in a better financial spot instead of being somebody who rearranged their budget so that they were spending less than they brought in. Or we look at our, our relationships and we thought we would be in a much better place relationally than we are right now, but that person left, maybe a spouse left, or maybe a spouse passed away and you thought, you thought, man, I should be better, further ahead than I am right now. And we look at the external. We say we should have more leaves on that tree and it should be taller and it should be this and it should be that. But the issue isn't what's happening around us. Those may be very good explanations and they may be fair. But, but I'm going to say something that's a little hard, but it's the truth. Nobody ever grew higher. Nobody ever became more fruitful in their life by pointing to the things that shouldn't have happened. They they discover that when they do the work that is internal, that goes deeper into their life, that develops deep roots, that that is when they see growth beyond their wildest imaginations in their life. And look, we've all had difficult things come up. Some of you have had harder things in your life come up than I have. Some of you have had things that are not as hard in your life come up than I have. But at the end of the day, swapping war stories isn't helpful. But looking internally and saying, you know what? Even though this has happened and even though this has happened and even though this has happened, Father, I trust you and I'm gonna do the work that you've called to me and I'm gonna do it by digging deep. I dig deep in a few different ways. I dig deep so that when I have that, that thought from God that is a seed in my life, I take it to prayer. I talk to God about it. I share my thoughts about it with God. Not only that, I open up the word of God. You know what's amazing is this book that was written so long ago. And there, there are different like peripheral circumstances in all of our lives that are different because, you know, we don't like ride donkeys anymore. But there is a truth that there's a foundation here. That regardless of what I go through and regardless of what God places in my heart, that I can find a place where he has, where he has dropped that seed into somebody else's life. And I can see exactly what they went through and what, they, and what they've discovered. And I can walk that out with, with the scripture as well. And the last one is this, that, that I dig deep by spiritual conversations. I dig deep by spiritual conversations. Listen, next week, um, there's two things that are going to happen uh, that give you the opportunity for spiritual conversations. And one of them is next week. And that is that we're going to begin opening up registrations for tribes. If you're new to our church, tribes are simply small groups. They go for six weeks. They'll start in October. And if you call this place home, you don't need to ask yourself if you need to be in a tribe. You need to ask yourself, what tribe do I need to be in? Because we need spiritual conversation in our life. We need a place where we can share what God is doing in our heart. We need a place to share what God's doing in our life. And we need deeply to gather around as a community of faith and just live life together. Today, you have an opportunity to preview a place for spiritual conversations in Alpha. And however you choose to, to find those spiritual conversations, you need that. Because it is in relationship that we dig deep roots. And so Jesus tells this story to help us better understand that God is always dropping seed in our life. But not only that, 
he's calling us to be people who self-reflect and ask, what, what, is, what is the reality of the soil in my life? Do I have good soil? Or do I need to do some work on the inside of who I am to make better soil? Would you stand with me all over the room today? your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I just want to ask a real, a real easy question. It may not be easy to answer, but it's easy to process. Do you have some work to do in the soil of your soul? Have you listened to some of the things that I've said and, and thoughts continuously pop up in your mind? You go, oh yeah, I got, I, I'm struggling with that. That's an issue. That's an issue. You don't have to continue with rocky soil. You don't have to continue with soil that's unprepared in your life. You can start today and invite, invite Jesus to help you do that work that opens you up to what God desires to say to you. If that's you and you say, I, I, I need to do some work in my soul. I need to be more open to what God has for me. Would you lift your hands all over the room? If you're online, you can also text decision to the number on the screen. Let us know. Yeah, room, hands all over the room. Hands all over the room. Anybody else? Anybody else? Yeah, yeah. Father, I pray right now for every person that says that they've got some, some hardened soil, some, some broken soil. Father, I pray right now that for, for every circumstance, for every person, for every moment that is contributed to the hardness of their soil. Father, I pray that you would reign in their life and soften that which is rocky, that which is painful, that which is hurtful. And you would give them confidence that you've got a word for them, that you've got a seed to place in their life in this season that will forever change them. Father, as we sing this song that says, I'll look up to you, Father, I'll look up to my God, to, to my Savior. Father, as we declare this today, Father, I pray that you would begin even in this moment, even in this space, to just plant that seed. Plant that seed through your presence. Plant that seed through worship, Father, today. In Jesus' name, the strong Son of God. Amen.